0: Life Audio.
1: We are very excited to have Pastor Josh Brooker on the show today.
2: Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction.
1: Yes, sir. Welcome back, Life After Addiction, episode 50, 50, 50 <laughs> I Thought 50. I was wrong for a second. Yeah, no, I don't want to ask Carl. Who knows what he's going to throw up there? <laughs> yeah, he's, up, he's fifty. Yeah, <laughs> we had to get on to Carl, anyways. We, so as you could see, we have uh, just the one camera again, which means that we have a very special guest, and I am excited about this guest. Um, he is a pastor. He's a podcaster, he's an author, but what he's probably most famous for is he's an escape artist. He was, once did a trick where he was handcuffed in the ice water. No, not, all of that's true, but the last part. Uh, we are very excited to have Pastor Josh Brooker on the show today. Josh, welcome, man. Come on, Thanks welcome.
3: so much, man. I was getting nervous about the whole uh, escape artist <laughs> thing. I was like, man, I, I left that out in my bio.
1: I gotta figure that out. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know sometimes I just do random things that I just envision like in a straight jacket under like Houdini stuff. I don't know. <laughs> so he doesn't do any of that but he is a pastor. He is a podcaster. He is an author and so man it is an honor to have you on Life After Addiction and I'd like to start man just kind of tell the i think a lot of our listeners especially a lot of alumni within the last couple of years are going to recognize you your voice or if they're watching they're going to recognize you as the pastor of experience uh community Cannon county uh sat under your preaching for a season of their life and so uh but for the ones that don't man uh give a, a fly by foot view of your story your testimony what led you into minute, uh, ministry yeah, and man. things like that
3: first of all thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast and i so appreciate the work you guys do um I ministered uh, so many times by just uh, your work and and the guys that you guys are walking with. Um, So I appreciate you guys a lot, and uh, y'all mean a lot to me, just the ministry that you do and the work you do. So thank you.
1: Um, Yeah, man, praise God. Yeah,
3: so, man, I'm from uh, Georgia originally, grew up in church. A lot of people say that, meaning they went to church once a week. I say that, and I mean I was in church every time the doors were open. Uh, My dad was Mm -hmm. in seminary when I was born. My mom was a worship coordinator, so... Growing up in church, I saw good things, I saw bad things, I saw ugly things, I saw behind the scenes, saw how the sausage was made and the seedy underbelly Mm. of church. So um, as you can imagine, as a kid, uh, that was at times life-giving and beautiful, and that was at times very uh, damaging and destructive. And so... um, I was around 11 years old. I was exposed to pornography for the first time, and uh, that began a addiction that started in my life and kind of ran things in my life for about 15 years. And uh, mm-hmm. I had some significant experiences in my faith, even during that time, but never really got free from that. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I had a lot of brokenness and insecurity, from, uh, just how I'd grown up and my parents were uh, going through a divorce and there'd been a lot of spiritual abuse, Mm. um, psychological abuse, even some physical abuse in my, my childhood that I didn't really know what to do with. Um, and so unfortunately I kind of fell into the lie that, um, when I drank alcohol, it made me feel invincible and made me forget how insecure I was. And so I became a, uh, a social drinker and very soon that, um, social lubricant kind of turned into a dependent and, uh, found myself not just with a sex addiction, but also with alcohol addiction and, uh, trying to figure out how to run from that. And through God's grace, he, uh, got me to rock bottom and, uh, found myself in New York City. Hitting rock bottom, which is an interesting place to hit rock bottom, by the way. Uh <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah, and I, bet. I don't know how honest I could be on this podcast about it. I I don't know if you guys have shared your rock bottom stories or not, but um uh,
1: well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh we've we've <laughs> we've yeah. we've definitely done this. Okay. Really so, right. yeah. And one of the things I left out in your introduction you're also a musician, and yeah. I don't know if that plays a role in this, but yeah, he's also Yeah, a musician, the party so.
3: life and the musician thing kinda go hand in hand. So um yeah it kind of yeah. yeah that doesn't make it any easier trying to sober up when you're around it all the time playing music but uh yeah man so my rock bottom was I'm in New York City visiting a buddy and um I'm basically staying drunk the whole week um going to parties at night and staying up late and drinking and then waking up the next morning trying to figure out how I can do it all over again and uh end up uh essentially exchanging money for a sex act and um in mm. a in a prostitute's house and uh end up stumbling out of this apartment of a stranger, you know, my hands shaking, lighting a cigarette, and kinda of have that moment that the prodigal son has in the story of the prodigal son where he's like, Man, I'm eating pig slop. And I used to live in my dad's house and it was really good there. And uh God in his mercy and sovereignty just took the blinders off and showed me that man I was not the person that I wanted to be and um allowed me to mm. see just how far I'd fallen and uh started that road back to um, to recovery and started that road back to getting real and honest and getting healing and coming back to my faith. And so, yeah, that was in my early 20s. And uh, I met my wife shortly thereafter, um, moved to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I was really done with church, really burnt out, kind of couldn't stand it, to be honest with you, found it a little bit nauseating. And I heard about this weird Bible study for people who were done with church. They wanted Jesus, but they hated religion. I was like, "Yeah, sign me up for that." Uh, so I ch- checked it out and walked in, and met a guy named Corey Trimble. And uh, yeah, that was that was about twelve years ago that I started at the Experience Community Church. So there's my story in a nutshell. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I remember that man. I, I I don't know if it was. I remember when you guys were meeting off the square oh, wow. or on yeah. the square and it was, it made it, it might've been a bar okay, um, or above a bar or wherever yeah. it was. But uh, I remember going, it's like, yeah, man, this is special. There's something about this. Uh, I remember taking, we used to have a <clears throat> a transitional house in okay. Burkesboro and I was kind of over that at the time. And so I'd take the guys there, but <clears throat> I remember way back, that might've been 10, nine, 10 okay. years ago, but I don't think it was yeah, 12, man. but. But yeah, I remember that. And so, so now here you are, God's redeemed you, restored you and placed you in a place of leadership. You're, you're the head pastor of a church and a growing church and man, we're thankful to, to partner in ministry with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a big part of what we do at S2L and locally and that, that the guys can go and, and feel welcomed at your mm-hmm. church and not, cause a lot of guys are, they're flying in from all over the country and Church was like you. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people, myself included, maybe Mm -hmm. Ryan and Carl as well, that there's a, there's a, when it comes to the shame and the guilt and maybe even a projection, I don't know that all people put this on us, but there's a projection of, oh man, they look at me Mm -hmm. different. Oh man, um, I'm not welcome here. Absolutely, man. Uh, and, and I just I feel like all of the guys that come through when they come to experience, uh, they don't feel that they feel at home. They feel and, and then there's all the churches that we really go to, yeah. they feel at home, they feel the loved God. and accepted. And so they're able to to receive a message. And, and I don't know, man, I'm, I'm super excited for that. And I'm thankful for your story. And um, Ryan has a couple questions he wants to to get into. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're back. So, Josh, man, thank you so much for your story, uh, opening up, being vulnerable with us. Uh, And that's one of the things that we've heard, you know, from alumni and feedback from people that we've never met about the podcast is it's a breath of fresh air that you guys are just real. And the mask is off and, and you're authentic with your speech and your stories. And it's a lot of hope. And so, I'm thankful for that. And then Ryan, go ahead, man. Let's let's first let's you're gonna ask him about the book. One thing we didn't yeah, talk about at the beginning. Committed Biblical Masculinity is Josh's new book, Pastor Josh's new book. Uh it just came out this month, yeah, last
3: month? August twenty sixth, so a couple weeks ago. Yeah.
1: August twenty sixth. And that is um you could find it everywhere, Amazon, things yes, like sir. that. Yeah, and it is Perfect for this podcast as we also, like I said, have a lot of alumni wanting to to step into biblical masculinity. And so we're yeah. just in there.
0: Yeah. First, man, I really do just want to thank you. Um, prior to coming to Tennessee, um, I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I found Christ actually at S2L mm-hmm. and your church um, was played a significant role in where I am today. Wow. Um, I can't describe what woodbury experience and murfreesboro experience means to our program yep. and how intricate of a role that y'all play wow. um it's pivotal it, it's pivotal to everything that god does here and how he works through y'all um and the lives of our men we get to see the benefits we get to see the fruit um we get to see the transformation that occurs and it's a beautiful thing because you're preaching here in woodbury tennessee yet these men take what you the seeds yeah. that you have planted out to all parts Praise of the, the country. Lord. And so your reach goes far beyond even what, you know, even to my family, I'm from Houston originally, since I've gotten saved, you know, my older brother's gotten saved. My dad's closer to the Lord than he's ever been. And man, just what God does. Um, it's so amazing. And I'm grateful for you, Josh. I really am. Um, God has given you many gifts. Um, and I know you're just a vessel, but man, you bless our ministry more than, you know, like more than, you know. Uh, but with that being said, Man, your book is really good. I haven't read the whole thing, but there are a couple of things I wanted to touch on. One of my favorite chapters was chapter four. and uh, You talked about conquering your vices, and I really loved it because you talked about uh, Romans seven and Paul's struggle. Mm. You know, um, why do I do the things that I don't want to do and the things I want to do? I don't do. And you talk about being real and about how we all have a kryptonite, you know, mm. and in fact, it's powerful whenever we can bring that to the light because God's power is made perfect in our yeah. weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. But I'm going to read a short excerpt and maybe you can just kind of comment on that and elaborate just a bit. But it's something that spoke to me and I'll go into why. But um, this is on page 85 if you have the book and it's called Walking in Victory. And it says when we experience God's grace, deliverance and forgiveness in an area of sin, it's liberating. When we finally take steps towards freedom through honesty, repentance, and confession, we find ourselves coming alive spiritually in ways we never thought possible. And this right here was the kicker for me. But after we have experienced that initial freedom... It can become so easy for us to fall into a kind of spiritual triumphalism that memorializes our deliverance without reminding us of the necessity of staying in a place of freedom. Mm. Walking in victory is a daily practice, not a one time event. And that's something I guess in addiction recovery, I can just relate to so much because I was on that pink cloud um, for our viewers. And I think most of our listeners probably know if, if you don't, I went through here three times actually as a student. Um, and I know what that feels like to, to be delivered and just feel redeemed and renewed and restored. And yet it's almost as if like, I forget that there's man's responsibility and me being proactive and engaging in my faith and not just merely sitting on my hands and saying, God's got this. Yeah. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on that and just like walking in that victory,
3: man? And honestly, I think a lot of that comes from my own failure in that area, of experiencing, mm. you know, the deliverance of God over, you know, porn addiction or over alcohol dependence, and then kind of going, you know, all that's behind me. I used to struggle with that. I don't struggle with that anymore. And Amen. you know, there is a truth in which um, that is the old man. That guy's been put to death. But like, we're still in this now, but not yet as Christians, right? We we have who we are in Christ. That's who we really are. But if we're not careful, man, that old man can start to creep in. And um, I I think there's great danger in somehow believing that we are immune to struggle, that we're immune Mm. to falling back into our old ways. Um, You know, the language of the New Testament often is uh, of of us staying awake because, man, it gets so easy to just be lulled to sleep when we just think, you know, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to slip back into that. I've graduated from that. And and the truth is, you know what God said uh, to Cain when he had um, you know anger in his heart towards his brother Abel. Sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is for you. And I mean that's active language, saying that like this sin, your your kryptonite, the sin that easily besets us. Um, man, that's something that you don't play around with. You you got to have like this healthy level of fear to go, man. I I do not want to go back to who I used to be. And, um, man, I've failed at that so many times, you know, slipping back into that and thinking that I was completely immune from that, you know, that was never going to happen. That was, that was me from 10 years ago. And, and then I find myself in the same patterns of thinking and the same mindsets and the same behaviors and the same habits. And then before I know it, I've fallen to the same thing and gone, man, God, how did it, how did that happen? And it just happens, honestly, for me, I don't know how it is with other guys, but, you know, memorializing our deliverance as a way of just going, well, I've got victory and, yeah, thanks Jesus. I don't have to practice any responsibility in maintaining that victory. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. But
0: Yeah. No, it absolutely does. And I think for me, at mm-hmm. least I'll speak personally, it's like the humility aspect. The further I grow in my walk with the Lord, like the more difficult it is to get to that place of like I don't know. I guess just because whenever I'm at a place of brokenness, it's easier for me to bring things Absolutely. to the light, you know? But whenever you see yourself higher than you mm-hmm. ought to, you know, Paul talks about in Romans assessing ourselves, you know, with the faith that God has given us. Whenever I'm seeing myself in a higher light, I'm I'm not possessing that humility required to just be transparent and vulnerable and honest with myself. It's like yes, I have been delivered, but I also, man, I have to like you said, fear that sin, fear that yeah. temptation, um, and, and ultimately just the fear of the absolutely, Lord. You know man. that that causes you to continue to relentlessly pursue the yep. things of God and not get complacent, not get you know absolutely
3: content. man. And and I think it is a daily thing because I, I think it's so easy just to fall asleep spiritually. And the language that the Scripture uses when it talks about our faith is often a war. You know, we're in a war, and sometimes we don't like that language because that means we got to fight, and we don't want to fight. We kind of want to just, I don't know, kick our feet up in a hammock with some lemonade. But if we're really going to conquer our vices and live victorious, then we got to use the weapons of the warfare uh, that the Lord gives us and actually do battle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think just a couple things inside of that. I think in a new you mentioned an Old Testament reference and a New Testament reference is, you know, be alert and sober minded. Mm-hmm. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And uh, we got two pastors on the podcast here, so we could just chop it up all day <laughs> about that. So we don't need to preach <laughs> sermons to each other. But there is an issue. There is a importance of to me of a roaring lion because that's not mm-hmm. sneaky, mm-hmm. right? That's not. Um, that's not jumping out of the weeds and grabbing me. And now, oh, I didn't see him coming. No, a roaring lion's loud, and I think it. It goes to your point of, you know, and I've taught this, and I've thought this, and I've, I've actively used this. But it's it's. You know, you know areas you should stay mm-hmm. away from. You know that the lions over yep. there. You hear them. You know that you've had struggle with that in the past, and the Bible saying be alert and sober minded. Watch out. These are ways that you could be tempted, that you need to grow in, that you've fallen, you know, in the past. And so have boundaries up. Have those things up. That was one thing that I think is complementary to what you're saying. But let me ask you, um, because I want to be careful. I think uh, we're all in agreement with the things you're saying. What I don't want is someone to listen to this and think that we're being talking out of both sides of our mouth. Because, as you know, S2L is very – adamant about yes. identity yes and we we are not saying hey my name's adam yep. i'm an addict we don't we, we, we in fact demand that none of the guys do that uh, while they're with us Amen. uh because of the poison and the and the the damage that it is to have your identity tied in something that Christ Absolutely. died for uh and not in christ and so we're we're definitely saying have a remembrance be smart be be sober minded, be alert, know the areas of your struggle and don't think that you're um, that you can't fall for that yep. in that again, or you can, any sin, you can't fall for any idolatry again. If you find your, your work starting to take place of the heroin, mm-hmm. man, that's idolatry. That's yep. sin. Be alert and sober minded for yep. that. Um, and so let me, I mean, obviously identity and, and, and I'm sure that you're, you touch on it, but how important is your identity in Christ in overcoming these things and and overcoming? Well, you
3: know, I, I think there's a lot of us that we will quote the scripture that says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, all things, uh, have gone and new things have come, right? And we'll quote it, but sometimes we don't believe it, right? That we are made into new creations. Our old self is dead and gone. The new self has come because we're in Christ. And I think understanding that and living in that is a a process that takes place, right? I mean, our justification happens upon conversion. We're using big theological words. But when we come to Christ, right, we're made right with God at that moment of salvation. Um, But this thing called sanctification, where we're walking this out, often involves us owning our identity And each and every day reminding ourselves, I am not who I used to be. But I love how Charles Spurgeon put it. He he said that, um, you know, a, a, a man could go and eat pig slop and it would make him sick because he's a man. A pig can eat pig slop and be perfectly content because he's still a pig. And so his point was this, like sometimes after coming to faith in Christ, Because we spent so much time before we had an experience with Christ eating pig slop, we forget that we're not pigs anymore, right? And we go back to the slop. That doesn't make us a pig because it makes us sick. And we go, man, I hate that. That doesn't satisfy me. That hurts me, right? And that's an indication that our nature has changed, and the things that we used to enjoy actually make us sick. But Mm. really, in my own life, the battle of... um, sanctification in that area of uh, recovery from addiction, man, just involves tearing down the strongholds of my mind. Like my identity is in Christ. Um, First and foremost, I'm identified by that. But the stronghold in my mind tells me that I always am going to be someone who struggles with this particular sin. I'm always going to be an addict. I'm always going to be this. I'm always going to be that, right? None of those things are true. But if I believe them, then I'm giving that stronghold in my mind more power. And so the battle of having our minds renewed, which is what the word of God says we're called to do, is to tear down those strongholds and to bring them under submission to the truth of the word of God. And the word of God says that if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have gone away. The new things have come. And it's just a matter of walking in that and not letting those strongholds in our mind lie to us. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I, I love this line: that uh, God knows our sin, but He calls us by our name, and the devil knows our name, but He calls us by our sin. Ooh. Right? Ooh, I like mm, that. Yes, Lord, that's a good preacher line. Yeah, you can. Yes. Hey, you oh, can use that on next on time now. you preach somewhere, man. Just go. You know, I was thinking the other day. Flip
0: it. Uh, <laughs>
2: come on.
1: I was actually the one. Were you really? Service, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah you're yeah, welcome yeah. to okay, use it. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I definitely will steal yeah. it though. That's but awesome. I
3: mean, it's so true. Like we we have. Sin that easily besets us. We will not be perfect until the perfect comes, right? We see Jesus face to face. But we are righteous because of Christ. His righteousness has been imputed on us, it's been given to us as a gift. And so, man, we stand before Christ positionally righteous, even as we are learning behaviorally to conform our outer life with our true inner self, who we really are in Christ. I mean, that's a lifelong journey, uh, but it's one that we don't walk alone. We walk it in community, we walk it through the help and the aid of the Holy
1: spirit. And, and yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me kind of add to that. And then I think we need to take our our last break. So we have the whole back half to, to talk. And then I believe you have some more, but so we have a saying, uh, and I'd love your input on this, but from the rooms of recovery will come the revival of a nation. Mm. We felt like the Lord put that on our heart. Uh, and, I believe specifically with us, what we've seen, even even in Chitty's story, that's revival. Mm. God saved him, and then all of a sudden his brother saved, his dad's close, Amen. that's revival. Uh, and so in tying it in with what you're doing with biblical masculinity, there is a role, uh, equal, 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 but there is a role that a man mm. plays. Um, and, and especially with guys like us, we've been in the dumps, man. We've been in the pit. We we've, we've been told that we are secondary citizens in our own minds as you just proclaim, Hey, I'm always going to be this. But not only that, man, that's what the secular world is yeah. telling us as well. How many rehabs that I go to that I was, I was told that I'm always going to be this. And I was not allowed to speak at a meeting unless I did proclaim that I mm. was this. So it's, it's already there. And that's the secular norm. And what we believe, we really believe this men and women that through this devastation of addiction, through the devastation of all sorts of addictions, Especially now, there's probably going to be new. I, I honestly think maybe by the end of the year, definitely next year, that we'll have multiple people come through with a technology mm. addiction. Wow. Uh, not only not only like porn, but sure. I mean video games and YouTube and meaning it's affecting their life. They can't hold a job, you know, all mm. of the things. But through that devastation, through People finding their identity in Christ and being broken and being devastated that, man, there's a new hope. I don't give a rip what they they yeah. think anymore. I've been told I'm this. I've lived that life. I thought I was that. But now God gave me a new name. I've been crucified with Amen. Christ. It's no longer I who Amen. live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And, man, that's why, like, with your book and with Christian men stepping up and and, and proclaiming God's truth, I really, man, I'm I'm fired up that you're doing that. I'm fired up that... We're we're like-minded in that because revival is happening. Revival, There is a feel around Mm -hmm. almost like a resurgence of God's men and women rising up and saying, hey, I know that I lived a rough life. I know that a lot of things are saying that I should not speak the truth, not my truth, but the truth, right? Everyone has their own truth, and I know you've covered that on your podcast many times called Beards in a Bible, by the way. I don't think (laughs) we... We proclaim that you need to check them out. It's it's everywhere you could find podcasts, but they've also started on uh, YouTube. We have, yeah, right. We got like
3: twelve listeners, so yeah, you're videoing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, R twelve, you go over there. You go, there you though. go. Um, <laughs> uh, then, yeah, but but
1: it, it's an it's amazing. It's just conversation with you and a close friend uh, on these type topics. But yeah, man, from the rooms of recovery comes a revival of a nation, and th- and that could be you at home listening yeah. or watching, man. It, Go and get this book. Hear the things that we're saying. Stop making excuses. Stop being lazy, and stop listening to the lies in your head and the lies that aren't in the in the Word, mm-hmm. the lies that are said of you that aren't true, and step into your purpose, Amen. man. Yeah. I mean, we're here today as Christians, obviously because of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy God used 12 men, and now there's 2 billion professing Christians? What if some men stepped up, mighty men and women of valor, stepped up now and pushed back against the darkness, man? I really believe... Uh, that that this nation could turn to God, and it needs to. I I think we're close, and I'd love your input when we come back, but I think we're close to being a post-Christian nation uh, as Europe is. And so let's take a quick break. We'll be back.
2: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to UnityWeekend.com. That's UnityWeekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact.
1: All right, we're back, we're back, we're back. All right, so did you have, uh, you had something else you wanted to talk about with
0: it was just kind of going into what you were just saying yeah. uh, about living a life of purpose, and that's what you titled um, Chapter 7, and we discussed it briefly beforehand. Um, but, yeah, I feel like that's a thing um, amongst a lot of uh, my friends as well as people who are coming to Christ wanting to know their mm-hmm. purpose. And something important that I, I like that you pointed out in your book um, You said first, you don't have to wait to hear a specific revelation from God to serve him with your life, Uh, meaning there's basic things that all Christians. Right. We are called to right, living a holy life, discipleship, treating others as you want to be treated, those basic things. And if I can't get those right, right, then I'm not going to get something greater. Right. Just like God calls us to be good stewards of little before he's going to give me a lot to be a good steward of uh, because he knows what's best for me. But you went into some specific questions that, like, helped stir the affection and thoughts of others to, like, find their specific calling. Um, And I thought that was – man, I thought that was excellent. Mm. I I read them myself, and I was reading your descriptions of each of the questions, and I was like – Man, had I read something like that a little bit sooner in my walk, like that would have drastically helped me yeah. uh, kind of find that specific purpose that God was calling me to. I mean, I'll read just a a question or two just so the listeners can hear. But like, what are some things that I find naturally easy for me that others may find difficult? And then you describe that, you know, um, what are some practical skills or experiences that I have that I, uh, I could use to serve God and other, others with I think just something so tangible and practical and applicable, like having those questions and describing those, it really does help somebody to navigate the road and the direction of, like, man, where is God calling me hmm. to specifically? What, where in ministry is He specifically calling me to? But could you elaborate on that? Like, how did that come about? How did God? Yeah, put that man. Your heart?
3: Um, so I think growing up in the church world, in and around the church world, there's so much pressure. Um, especially when like the book, The Purpose Driven Life came out of trying to find your specific, mm. you yeah. know, and if you don't find specifically yeah. your purpose, you're wasting your life. And, and I remember just as a young yeah. guy going, oh, God, I can never figure it out. Right. Um, and I, I heard somebody preach a sermon one time I thought it was such a powerful and simple and practical message. It's when God asks Moses at the burning bush, what's in your hand? And Moses, if you remember, he has a staff in his hand because he's a shepherd. And God takes that staff in Moses' hand, and God uses that staff to be a miracle-working instrument. And so the the point of the whole sermon was like, hey, listen, like so often we overcomplicate this thing called finding our purpose. But what God so often does is he just goes, hey, man, what's right in front of you? What's in your hand? What Mm. What are you good at naturally? Or what experiences you had? You know, I, I share in the book about a guy I met on a mission trip that was drafted by the Texas Rangers, and uh, his whole life was baseball—travel ball, baseball through high school, all these, you know, leagues. And then he blew out his knee, and uh, you know, early on playing in the minor leagues, and he thought, "Man, my life is over. I don't have anything." And then uh, he found out that in the Dominican Republic, baseball is everything. So, what he had in his hand was an incredible background and experience of the sport of baseball. So what did he do to serve the Lord? He started doing baseball clinics in the Dominican Republic and started discipling kids and preaching the gospel and pouring into these inner city kids in Dominican through baseball. And you know, I think so often we're sitting on our hands going, God, what do I do? And man, it really isn't as complicated as often we make it out to be. It's we serve. And then as we serve, we start paying attention to the things that God puts in our hands and how God blesses certain things and how we're in Christian community, and somebody says, you know, um, maybe you're not the best singer. Maybe maybe worship leading is not your thing, right? <laughs> and we got enough humility to go, yeah, maybe that's not it, but maybe this other thing I'm better at. And uh, just getting busy serving the Lord now, and he gives clarity as we get obedient.
0: That's good. I liked your American Idol reference too. Like, did nobody tell these people that they were yeah. not yeah. good at this prior That's to William this hum. moment? But I like that question. You know, what do others in the church see within you? You know, because sometimes we think more of ourselves than we ought to. And other times, man, I don't see certain things that maybe I should. That somebody else had, I got their opinion, a mentor, a friend, a brother in Christ. Man, it would have drastically Absolutely,
3: helped. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I I started my ministry as a worship leader because um, music has always been a part of my life. My mom was a worship coordinator, and I wasn't a, you know, world famous, you know, Grammy winning type worship leader. I could play music, and that was always something easy. But then I got an invitation to preach, and I didn't think really much about it. And it was after I would get done preaching, people around me would go, "This is what you're called to do." And I'd go, "Really?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "But I'm a worship leader." And they're like, "Yeah, but you." You don't understand. Like this is this is something else that God's doing through you. And I, and I didn't see it. I mean, I really didn't. Um, and mm. and it took other people telling me, "Hey, listen, you you think you're really good at this? You're not really that good at it. This other thing that you don't think you're good at, actually, God's blessing this and God's working through you in this in ways that you you can't see." Um, and so, man, I think that's why community is so important, and being humble enough to receive feedback.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I often encourage guys to to write down a uh, left and a right side things that they enjoy and are talented in and things that they don't yeah. enjoy and they're not great at and so often things almost will pop off the page like yep. oh you know maybe not as clear as oh I'm supposed to be a coach you know but it really narrows it down and and now you could see the giftings that God's given you and your what drives you and your affection for him so I think that's a really good um, really good practical thing that we do. I do. Uh, and I've noticed how I've changed too over time. Like I've, I've never been artistic. Um, I I don't feel like I've had an artistic with singing or video or pictures, you know, or painting or anything like that. Uh, and then now as I've kind of gotten older and we made the, the documentary and, and I'm starting to see that, that, that Video and editing and i 'm terrible at it, but it kind of draws my affection for yeah. God, so i'm wanting to explore that even though it scares me and terrifies <laughs> me and stuff like that so uh Carl, you want to add something jump in here he's He was talking about his mentor who just moved away earlier and that you guys were close friends. um What was his name again carl Sean Sean so shout out to yeah. sean he's moving uh moving on mission I probably shouldn't say where so just because i 'm not sure what. If it's a closed country or not, but man, what do you have anything to add at the end? Where can people find everything what where do you want to direct people? You have a website for the for the book, so
3: we don't have a website, but we do have a um <laughs> audiobook slash podcast here. something I found out as I'm writing the book. somebody guys would be like, "Oh, you're writing a book about manhood? well, I don't read. I was like, oh, darn. So so, um, once I solve how to increase male literacy, then uh, that won't be a problem. But what we're doing starting this uh, (gasps) Friday is we're releasing each chapter of the book in an audio format along with interviews with certain people about the questions at the end of the chapter. And that's called the Committed Masculinity Podcast. So it drops this Friday, September 15th. You can find that anywhere podcasts are and uh, there's a link on that to order the book as well. So we're really encouraging guys do this in a community group. Do this with guys you're discipling. Yeah. Uh, don't do this by yourself. Um, it's really designed to go through with other men so that you grow as a disciple of Jesus together in community.
1: That's amazing. Anything else?
0: I mean, I got a few more questions. I could go, but um, let me ask you one, man. Just this is like yeah. a personal question. Um, s- seriously, uh, for me, actually. Uh, when times in ministry get tough, man, how do you cope with with burnout um yeah. i 've recently struggled with that myself and almost get to a place um, and we don 't like to say this audibly uh, but i 'm just going to be real you know I can get to this place of like desiring what 's next and almost like fantasizing for what 's next and like what the next season looks like how do you how do you cope with burnout man, ministry?
3: that's it 's funny you're asking me this. I just came back from a week long unplugged vacation after a very 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 busy season of ministry. And, uh, man, I was burnt out and didn't even know it. And uh, mm. we go on vacation, and I'm, you know, turning the phone off and trying to spend time with the kids. And, man, the first few nights I couldn't even sleep because my mind was just, like, wow. knotted up with all these different, you know. I was an autopilot, didn't even know it. And I think something the Lord's been showing me is it. it's a, um, like, soul care and care of our mind, those have to take some level of priority in our lives. And that's actually not selfish because if we're caring for our soul and we're caring for our spiritual life and then we're taking care of our body and then we're taking care of our mind and we're taking care of our relationships with our, in our marriages and with our kids, um, to the extent that those things are successful and healthy, all of our ministry will flow out of that. Right. Um yeah. This is probably not a good quote to say for like a recovery podcast, but uh the quote that I always tell myself is this, a- am I smoking when I'm selling? <laughs> Um, <laughs> which is probably bad. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. mean to trigger anybody. But, uh, no, you're good. What, what you're I mean good, by that is good. like, hey, if I'm telling everybody Jesus is the answer.
1: Practice what you Yeah, yeah if I'm yeah. telling everybody, hey,
3: Jesus is the answer yeah, yeah. to your brokenness, do I believe that for me? Right. Am yeah. I am I taking time? Um, mm. Something I try to get into, man, once a month is I take a day and I disappear in the woods with my Bible and a backpack and a journal and I fast and pray and spend time in silence and solitude. And I know that I need one of those days when both my office manager here at the church and my wife both get together behind my back and they say, he needs to go off in the woods again because he's just, uh, we can tell he's starting to burn out a little bit. And so, man, we just find those little pockets in ministry of of ways to, uh, as it says in the Old Testament, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And, uh, man, it's amazing what like a day in fasting and prayer and in the Word will do Uh, that, man, a a week-long vacation can't even hold a candle to. Um, Sometimes the answer is Mm. just more Jesus, you know?
1: Yeah. I needed to hear that. Yeah, that's good. Check this out. So devastation of his life to rock bottom in New York City, to being a pastor, a Christian author, and a Christian podcaster, that's life (laughs) after addiction. You better believe it,
2: (laughs) for listening to this episode of life after addiction life after addiction is a production of s2l studio for more christ-centered addiction recovery resources please visit s2l.net that's s the number two l.net for more information about S2L's licensed and accredited residential program, please visit s2lrecovery.org. That's S, the number 2, L,
1: We want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Life After Addiction podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of their faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much more. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless.